All right, welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, host of Locked On Warriors, here with David Ramil, host of Locked On Heat. Today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting low carb protein bar. The promo code Locked On gets you $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. We have a great show today. We're going to talk about if the NBA should just scrap the season altogether and how the last dance has treated Scottie Pippen so far. But let's start with this quote from Sunday night, with Michael Jordan defending his trash-talking, his punching of teammates by saying, Winning has a price. Leadership has a price. I pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled. I challenged people when they didn't want to be challenged. I earned that right. My teammates who came after me didn't endure all the things I endured. Once you join the team, you live with a certain standard of how I played that game. I wasn't going to take anything less. If that means I have to get in your ass a little bit, then I did that. Uh, David, these last episodes gave Michael Jordan a chance to defend his reputation as a teammate who was hard to deal with. Having heard from him now, do you agree with his reasoning for just him being a jerk? It's hard to do that. And it's a layered question and a, even a layered quote from him. Like, there's so much to unpack in just that one quote. And I feel like it was a pivotal one. Like, the, the response immediately after it aired in the documentary sent everybody on basketball Twitter kind of just commenting on it. And it seemed like it was a pretty divisive one because so many people think of him as being the greatest and defending. Like, it, it feels like the fans are kind of brainwashed into believing that this mentality, similarly to what we come to to label as Mamba mentality, is the right way to approach winning. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Like, I, I don't know that Jordan has defended his reputation so much as he's just being bare-boned about it. He's being pretty frank about, look, this is who I am. I'm an asshole. Take it or leave it. Now, I also disagree with his, his, his claim that he had to endure so much or all the things that he endured to get to this point. I mean, he didn't really endure anything. Like, I mean, he got beat up by the Detroit Pistons. A lot of teams in the, in the 80s did, too. Uh, you know, he accomplished a lot more during his tenure in, at UNC and then early on in his career before having won a championship. So I don't know what he had to endure. But I think we saw proof later on that it doesn't really matter, that there is no justification for what Jordan does because he's going to take any slight no matter how insignificant or trivial or non-existent, because he even claims to have made up some and used that as fuel for his fire. So that's the whole thing that I have a problem with. Like, I, I feel like this is just one giant way of saying, I'm an asshole. I don't care if you know it or not. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to be an asshole. And then if that pushes you to another level to get to my level of being an asshole and we all went together, that's fine. Like like he said, his claim is that, you know, he needed everybody to get to that same level and that he had to push them to get to this point to win. It's like, well, dude, you need everybody on that team in order to win anyway. I mean, he, I think there are different ways of leadership and I don't agree with Joran's method to be 100% honest with you. I can't argue with the results, yeah. but at the same time, I don't know if that's justification enough for me. I mean, I had this. We, I, I've had this conversation. Um, I had this conversation recently in regards to LeBron James comparing these two. But before I get to that, I mean, to your point with him saying I've endured so much, and he, he talks about like a guy like Steve Kerr walking in, who is acting like he's part of this championship team, right. and is that, he goes he's out here pussyfooting around like he's actually done something. I, I you know I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said those words, and it's it's like it sounds like Steve Kerr's just being a good teammate and just like a, a generally nice guy and you're looking at him like he's 
got some sort of problem. Right. And he's like, he hasn't endured anything. He hasn't earned that. And it's like, I don't know. He's in the NBA. Yeah. He signed a contract with your team. His father it was assassinated. Like to to it in- sounds like he went through quite a lot, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I mean, like he, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know exact. Again, like with that story when they showed later on again uh, in the '98 finals when he saw George Carl in a restaurant and having gone to UNC uh, the same as Jordan did and Carl didn't say anything to him he's like oh that's how it's going to be all right and now I'm going to go and dog your team it's like dude come on like now you can't like if Carl had to come up to him and said hey man looking forward to playing this oh you looking forward to it now I'm going to kill you even more it's like there's nothing you can do it's a no-win situation it's kind of hilarious and exactly and that was sort of his motivation you said something earlier that I want to touch on too where you didn't agree that with his style of quote-unquote leadership and a lot of this documentary has – there's just this underlying conversation happening, right, about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. We've talked about that a lot. Everybody's talked about this a lot. But I, I do find myself often now sort of defending LeBron's leadership style. And he's oh, he's so much he, – he, he's attacked all the time for not having that Michael Jordan mentality, that Mamba mentality. And people say, well, he didn't want it the way Michael Jordan did. He didn't show it the way. Michael Jordan did, and I kind of I, I keep falling back to that. I, I I just have such a hard time trying to define somebody's intention or motivation, right? Just because LeBron doesn't carry himself the way that Michael Jordan did, uh, doesn't mean he wants it any less. And I think a lot of people listening to that would be like, "You're crazy." What I'm saying right now, and I'm interested to what what you think about this because I'm like you. I don't agree with Michael Jordan's like you know the results are the results, whatever. I don't agree. I'm not an ends justify the means type of person usually, but it 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 strikes me as like kind of lazy to say MJ wanted it more because we don't really know what LeBron wants. We don't like it's so hard to define that. And just because he doesn't carry himself the way Jordan did doesn't mean he wants it any less. I want to talk about Scottie Pippen because if anybody's sort of gotten the short end of the stick in this documentary, I do feel at first I thought it was Jerry Krause, but as the longer we go on. I'm, I'm I'm kind of surprised uh, by the way they're they're kind of portraying Scottie Pippen. We'll talk about that here in a second. But first, the world of protein bars is being rebuilt by Built Bar. This is the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. A protein bar covered in 100% real chocolate. It's absolutely delicious with 16 amazing flavors. Built Bar tastes like a candy bar while delivering fewer sugars and carbs, making it better tasting and better for you than any of the competitors. With delicious flavors like mint brownie, raspberry chocolate cream, and toffee almond, Built Bar is like a cheat code for health-conscious men and women. These bars are low-calorie, they're low-sugar, and they're also high in protein, high in fiber, making them perfect for ketogenic and other low-carb diets. Uh, I personally go between keto and low-carb diets all the time, and no matter what my healthy eating pattern is, Built Bar is perfect for me. David, how have you enjoyed these Built Bars? Because we got them all sent to us. Yeah, I I think they're just great. I, I, you know... Most of the problem with these bars is that they don't taste particularly good, or the ones that do taste good aren't particularly good for you. This is such a perfect balance. It's such an easy snack, especially now if you don't want to sit down there and have a full meal. A lot of us feel a lot less active than we normally do, and so it's just a great snack to reach in there and go get it, and it tastes great. I- I've enjoyed it so much. It doesn't have that weird artificial flavor, like kind of uh, uh, mouthfeel thing that right. a lot of these protein bars have. You know what I mean? Like It just tastes like a, something that... Uh, like it, like sometimes you have these things and you're like, should I even be eating this? Right. Like, what's in here? Yeah. Like, and these don't like. I feel okay when I when I eat them. I feel like it's it, it's an okay thing to eat, which is crazy to say. But in this world of protein bars, you know, you never know. 
Um, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, promo code Locked On, one word, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. One of the things that happened over the weekend in this documentary, David, was the, again, bringing in some of these Scottie Pippen stories, these things that do need context and a little explanation. We like to hear from Michael Jordan. We like to hear from Scottie Pippen on these things. And uh, one of the moments was about Scottie Pippen sitting down at the end of that playoff game against the Magic and uh, and Tony Kukoc hitting that final shot. And obviously that's been a, a stain on, on Scottie Pippen's sort of uh, legacy. And um, I just... Look, I, I think you need to cover it, right, within the context of this documentary. Based, uh, understand that this documentary claims that it's all about one season, but it kind of turns out to be about the entire Bulls dynasty. Still kind of confusing to me. But uh, uh, what what is your thoughts on how this documentary has treated Sky Pippen? Because between this and the the um, you know the holdout and the contract stuff and all these things, like what what do you feel? I know you're a Scottie Pippen guy, so I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on how they're treating him. I think it's perfectly Jordan esque, and it's the ultimate backhanded compliment. Like even as he's saying, "I couldn't have done anything without Scottie," it's like, well, at the same time, I kind of made Scottie who he is. And let's not forget, Scottie had this problem in '97 when he had surgery at the start of the season. And let's not forget that one season when I was playing baseball for whatever reason, I was playing baseball. Scotty kind of acted like a selfish jerk and, and bailed out on his team, et cetera, et cetera. Like, even as he's saying that Scotty was a hell of a player, a great player in his own right, and, and an accomplished one, it's also really quick to point out his flaws without really giving him the same opportunity to defend himself. And and that's just, I think that's just what Jordan's trying to accomplish here. He's, he's ultimately trying to prop himself up over everyone else and, and I think that's just the way his whole career his whole life perhaps has played out him competing against perceived slights against you know manufactured enemies throughout his whole life so I, I you know I think it's a little unfair for Scotty and especially the way it, it kind of cast that decision like I mean Phil Jackson kind of made a mistake here like I understand that it'd been a play that they'd ran for Tony Kukoc. It's not a knock on Kukoc, who was a great player in his own right, especially in Europe, but one who had, as he says, knocked down that shot throughout the course of that season. But Scotty is your best player. He was a top three MVP candidate that season. He had gotten you to this point. He had been the guy who had helped the, the first three championships just the few, past three seasons. It's like he had done so much and he had gone through so much. And especially with, can you imagine now in today's world, the constant questions of a, of a player having to deal with that. Oh, what's it like now having to deal? Imagine like Russell Westbrook. Westbrook's a different character altogether. But the way he had to deal with it, what's it like not playing with Kevin Durant? What's it like playing with Kevin Durant, et cetera? I mean, you went through it this past season too. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like for Scotty to have to go through that constant reminder that he's still playing in, in Michael Jordan's shadow, even when Michael Jordan has retired by his own choice, and that he's done as everything he possibly could as an individual and as a team player. And then his coach says, eh, hold off a second there. I don't want you taking that shot. Like I, I felt like Scotty really had taken that that he had earned the right, as he says, to take that shot. And, and I defend it. I mean, I, I think it's fair. You're, you're the best player of that team, and arguably, you have the right to take that shot. I think it's one that would have worked. I think it's one that he could have taken. Maybe he wouldn't have done it. It was a tie game. They could have gone into right. overtime. It's not like it was a, a necessary shot either. So it's just it kind of feels like they put Scotty in a certain place there, and, and I feel like he had a right to, to, to kind of say, no, wait, and, I mean, this is unfair to me. And then the way to me, like, 
between that, between okay, Scotty was a bad teammate. That was a, he was he was a bad teammate in that moment, and I think that's absolutely right. true. But then juxtaposed to, well, Michael Jordan was a jerk. He was a he, basically saying he was a terrible teammate, but at least we won. And again, <laughs> with with Scotty Pippen, they won that game. And right. so if we're gonna play the results, like, and then because of that, be able to cast Michael Jordan in this. Well, you know, Heroic. the ends justified the means. Yeah, he was willing to do. He wasn't the hero we needed or wanted. He was the yeah. one we deserved or whatever kind of deal. Right. Uh, I tried to do the superhero thing. I couldn't. I couldn't pull it off quite. It's okay. Uh, but okay. uh, Scotty Pippen, it's just like he was one of the best players ever. Uh, was he a bad yeah. teammate at times? Sure, but at least he didn't like threaten and punch teammates. <laughs> like I. It, no, it's just the just, opposite, right? Like everybody's right. saying, oh no, he was the kind of guy who puts an arm around your shoulder and kind of props you up. It's like he, you're describing the ideal teammate, I think, for a lot of people. And yet, and none even of these, kind of as an afterthought, and, and, he yeah. says in that in that series, he's like, oh, and he wound up having a really good series and has that iconic dunk over Patrick Ewing, etc. And they still <laughs> right. won the series. It's like it wasn't enough. I don't know. I don't. They, brought, they, they, they gloss over it, and I do feel like. Yeah. The stock, and look, I know it's. I know it's basically a Michael Jordan documentary. They could say it's sure. about the Bulls. It's about Michael Jordan. And, and they just they put a little bit more work, I'm saying, in just the, the filmmakers here. They had put a little bit more work into justifying Michael Jordan's actions and rather than Scottie Pippen's actions. And I just feel like he's kind of getting screwed here. Like, I kind of feel like he is. Um, yeah. it's, it's sort of unfair. I, and I just, it I is. don't know. Um, all right. I want to talk about if the NBA returns. So switching subjects here. But... Uh, it's possible we could get this truncated playoffs, that shorter series, three-game, five-game series, maybe for a little bit of it. If they do it in a bubble city, we can be eliminating travel, right? So there's going to be a way to maybe condense this thing. With all of that in mind, do you think that the NBA can crown a championship, uh, a champion in good faith here? Because Shaq doesn't think we can. He said over the weekend, quote, any team that wins this year, there's an asterisk, end quote. So do you think he's right, David? I uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually do. Um, I, I'm not a big asterisk on any kind of season whatsoever, and I, I'm you know, obviously concerned with the players' health and everything else like that. But we've never had a work stoppage like this in the NBA. This isn't everybody starting off on an even playing field where you have the, the you know a collective bargaining agreement that kind of delays uh, the start of a season or things of that sort. This is. The middle of the season. Think about teams that were, you know, in the bottom of their respective divisions uh, in mid-March, and all of a sudden, it's like, what are they going to get? Why are they going to even play? Let's assume that they're not going to play out the rest of the regular season, which seems that that's the likely case. That's a whole other thing too. You have like you have teams jockeying for position. You have teams on the cusp of making the playoffs, like say the New Orleans Pelicans or the Memphis Grizzlies on the way out, perhaps. You know, it's so much that could have played out so differently. Now, how do you welcome back players that were injured? I mean, a lot of injured players or even players working on nagging injuries now have a two-month hiatus or perhaps even longer where they can get healthy. And so much of this changes how teams move forward that I, I just don't feel like you can't have an asterisk here. Like You have to acknowledge the fact that this is a very unusual circumstance. You're still going to be an NBA champion regardless. I still think that it should take some kind of special annotation there saying, look, we kind of did this haphazardly or slapped it together because we had to in order to continue and close out the season. But the reality is that this is unprecedented. And I feel like that's all the asterisk is. And not a more of a symbolic gesture than anything else and not an insult. I mean, 
let's say the Bucks or the Lakers or whatever team winds up winning the finals anyway, I still think that they should be crowned champions. But as far as the record books are concerned, yeah, an asterisk doesn't seem like it really takes all that much away from it. I'm sure a lot of fans disagree with me. But I, I just feel like this is so unprecedented. And, and it just changes so much of the equation. Like the, the whole... Your annual body chemistry, the kind of psychology that goes into preparing for a season, this incredible layover. I mean, there are players, you know, have lost family members or close family members and things of this sort. Like, all this kind of impacts and takes away from your ability to just move forward smoothly like we hadn't done at any point in the NBA history. I go back and forth on this. Um, I don't know if I can reconcile not having a champion this year. Like, just from a – I just – it feels like we – should have that if we can if we can have it of course like if, if you could figure out a way to play the playoffs and do it responsibly from not only a league perspective but from a social and health conscious perspective like all these things if so you know with that in mind if you could find a way to responsibly do the playoffs i think you have to do it and i think you have to crown a champion um and i don't know honestly if the asterisk I don't know if I agree. Like, I don't know how. Like, if you're all, if everybody's on an even playing field, as weird and as um, you know, strange as this uneven playing or as the playing field might be, everybody's sort of dealing with the same circumstance, weird circumstance. But it's an even playing field, and I, it's even and it's unevenness. I don't. don't Yeah, yeah. It's just like everybody's like had this time off. Everybody was dealing with this pandemic. If you do it in a bubble city, then we're all in that bubble city, and. If, if we're talking about just from a competition standpoint, right, the whole idea of competition is that everybody just sort of has – is on an even playing field and one person and one team wins. And if this were the case, then I think that they – that would, to me, still kind of hold the integrity of what competition is. Uh, it would be weird oh. nonetheless, but like I, – and I don't mean to like piss off Raptors fans here, but like that – like. That title, a lot of people want to put an asterisk on that one because Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson got injured. Like stuff no, happens. That, 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 that's, yeah, happens. that's okay. We've had lockout that, that's different, seasons though. where you cut twenty games off the regular season. Like, didn't that factor in? To but everybody goes through that now. Like now, again, there are there are like how do you how do you even place teams? Like you, you're you know thirty teams have been gearing towards home court advantage in the playoffs and now there is no home court if you're having this take place in Las Vegas or Orlando or something like that like that's fair how do you I mean it changes officiating like how do you officiate games I mean I, it's just so much of this is so different so unique I, I don't have any problem with you know like the 2011 season starting in, in December as opposed to October like I mean everybody went through this everybody played three games in, th- in, in four nights or whatever everybody went through that process of having a, a shortened season and playing 66 games this is a little different I mean and and I just I mean, what if, like I, what I, about I, Brooklyn like yeah. how about Brooklyn like you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that were out for the season yeah now potentially are they welcome back can they be welcomed back I mean anybody who wasn't on the active roster I mean even in, in Miami the team that I cover Myers Leonard was hurt Tyler Hero was hurt. Now they're back to full strength. Now we welcome them back with open arms, and it's like all of a sudden you have a, yeah. a fully healthy team. It kind of like injuries do play a factor, and they should play a factor. And now all of a sudden you've kind of wiped that clear. That I don't. I just don't know how to rectify and justify mm-hmm. that at the same time. So I feel like the, that's the home why court advantage thing too is really interesting that you brought up. I mean, do you do you just sort of lop off those eight seeds, those seven seeds who really aren't going to win the championship anyway? 
and give some of these in, in lieu of home court, you give teams a buy through a first round or something like that. Maybe, maybe you do something that like that, or you you just you give them a one zero series lead to start their series. Like I don't know. Like maybe, like you've got to sort of reward those teams somehow. It's not something I thought about yet. Um, I don't know. I the one thing that's tricky with me is if they bring it back and somebody tests positive and that person needs oh, to sure. then be quarantined. That is more than just an injury, right? That is, that's a real fun. Like if it if it's Giannis or if it's LeBron or if it's Kawhi, and that player ha- it can no longer participate in the playoffs, then I think that like, and you end up with some weird like Brooklyn <laughs> versus uh, I don't know Memphis type situation, or, like some weird, some strange weirdo world finals yeah. that just don't yeah. feel earned. Like you almost you almost have to find a way to kind of make sure that those teams who we thought were going to be there have an advantage to get there because of all the things that you're saying, like there's no home court, like they, they've done the work in the regular season to get some sort of advantage here. And we do feel like had this not happened, everybody kind of feels like, all right, in the West, it was going to be one of two or three teams, same thing in the East. And now that might not be the case. So then I, it, you, I just, you don't want it to feel unearned. And I just, I don't know. And, but you can't really, yeah, I'm not that. saying that they wouldn't be earned. I just I feel like the asterisk is just a way of kind of hallmarking for generations that this was a uniquely played circumstance. So That's with all Shaq like, then saying that just because the asterisk, get rid of it. You're not saying that. You're saying there's going to be an asterisk. Let let it let it be an asterisk, but let's keep it. Let's just have this on the record books. Yeah, yeah, let's that's keep fair. A regular, I, I keep also the playoffs, yeah. With an asterisk. I'd also think that they should probably just wipe the season out, to be honest with you. Like, you I, I'm at that point. Yeah, I, I've, I've been pretty consistent about that. I just don't think that you can't have this restart after this long hiatus with all these different factors in play, not to mention, as you pointed out, the, the, the potential health risks to the NBA players and, and of course, team staff and everybody else. So it's just there's just too many factors there to change all this. To me, you kind of just you kind of need to restart when everybody's on that same level playing field, when there are no risks involved. And I know that there's always going to be risks. There's always going to be players that can get hurt for any number of reasons. I just don't want it to be under life-threatening circumstances. It's it's tough, and um, I think we're going to learn more. But one thing's like the NBA at some point needs to actually put a plan in place because they've kind of been kicking this can down the road a little bit too long. Sure. And, and we're getting to a point where there's a drop-dead date that everybody's aware of, and um, something's got to give. Uh, We play One's Gotta Go next. This is Locked On NBA. One of the internet games that's become a popular pastime is One's Gotta Go. So we're going to play our own version here. David, let's start with you. Well, I was kind of thinking about uh, players that are on the fringes of the NBA Hall of... Or the Basketball Hall of Fame, actually. And and so I kind of wanted to put you on the spot a little bit. Players, retired players that have not been in the NBA, and then I have another one for current active players that, are, or players that are just either you know still active or had just retired and are not quite ready to be in the NBA. Or the, in the, I'm sorry, in the Basketball Hall of Fame yet. So the first one is one's got to go: Chris Webber, Chris Bosh, or Tim Hardaway. One doesn't get into the Hall of Fame. One doesn't get in the Hall of Fame right now. None of them are. Yeah, sorry, uh, there are. Oh really? Sorry, C. Webb. Is this because is this because of your Hardaway fandom or because of something else? Like, I mean, Weber 
Weber feels like that that player that's very divisive. Like if you hadn't seen him play, like maybe you forget how versatile he was and all the things that he did. He never won a championship. Um, either collegiately or at, at the professional level, but at the same time, he was a very good, unique individual player. I feel like Hardaway's he he wins the longevity battle against C Web, right? I I don't know about that either. Between the Warriors and the Heat, no. Um, no, I mean, look, Weber. See, that's the whole thing too. Is like Weber had those seasons with the Warriors. Then he got traded to the Wizards, which everybody forgets about. Then he had his heyday with the Kings. But I mean, he, it's not like he had bad seasons when he was with either Golden State or Washington. I think he was still with the Bullets at that point. That was before they changed it to the Wizards. I mean, so we're going back in the in the, in the days here. But I mean, him, Jawan Howard, they were they were part of those teams there. And then you know, for him to be able to. To, to have a pretty long career. Like, I mean, he went to Philadelphia and Detroit. I mean, that was towards the tail end of his career. But he was such a good player in Sacramento. And maybe if they get a lucky break in a Game 7 against the Lakers, you know, they break up that three-peat and, and maybe the Kings go on to be at least a one-time champion. That could change a legacy for a player the way that, uh, you know, 2011 changed it for Dirk Nowitzki and Jason Kidd. Hardaway was a five-time All-Star. So was Chris Webber. Um all right, I think, look, it's not going to be Chris Bosh. So Chris Bosh, it's a shame that he didn't get into the Hall of Fame this time. I think that was a travesty. But, um, all right, I think you talked me into it. Hardaway is out. Sorry, buddy. Um, wow. I think my initial reaction was like Hardaway's in because, like, I'm a Heat fan. But uh, Second best point guard in Heat history. Second, that's right. Behind Mario Chalmers. Um, all right, one's got to go. The mid-range game. Oof. The post-up game. Huh. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed this up. All right. Okay. It's a. It, I'm, I'm inversing the one's got to go game. And you've got to okay. pick one to bring back. So it's. I'm calling this bring one back. <laughs> okay. Okay. The mid-range game, the post-up game, hand-checking. You know, I've seen a lot of talk about, like, how players would thrive in, in today's NBA, like Jordan and his era and things of that sort, and that they had to deal with individual players being able to defend with a hand check and everything else like that. I, I, I'm kind of tired of that conversation, to be honest with you, so I'm not bringing the hand check back. And as far as the... Don't you think that if you brought it back, though, it would end the conversation? No, <laughs> similarly to, to my point about Jordan, it's like we'll, we'll find something to you know break down. We'll find some minutiae to say, no, no, it's going to change. Like I also saw the counterpoint to that was like, well, you had guys in that league who could only defend because they were allowed to use the hand check and mm-hmm. they couldn't do much else. What happens to those players now, especially in an era where you need somebody to at least be a 3 and D type player at the very least? You know, if they don't have that skill set, what I mean, you can't just be a defensive player anymore. You have to have at least a little bit more versatility in your game. So the hand check is out. Uh, I, I still think the mid-range game is an important part of the league. I, I feel like it's 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 not necessarily been devalued as much as everybody thinks it has. It's just it's not as efficient a shot. I mean, and, and the reality is that there are still players who take it, and, and necessarily so. So I don't think that's really gone away. So I'm going to say the post-up. I'd ra- I'd like to see more more guards 
going into the low post. As much as we like them shooting shots, like I, I, I mean, I we've seen so much of Michael Jordan as a guard backing down players and, and going up against smaller wing players and stuff like that and backing them down in the low post. I'd like to see the post up game go come back into the league a little bit more, especially from the backcourt players. Yeah, growing up with Dwayne Wade, I mean. That little low sure. block post up, f- turnaround fadeaway baseline thing. I mean, all day, right? I take that all. Um, Kirk Goldsberry tweeted out a graphic, I don't know, last week, two weeks ago at this point, um, that it, and it was a little bit of a controversial graphic because it kind of it, it showed like the, the, where most shots came from at the late 90s versus, you know, this last season. Right. And in his graphic, right. it showed like zero mid range shots like were taken all season, I guess. But I think the point, right. like it was, it's all relative, right? I guess. But the point being is that there was a time where there was shots taken from all over the court, and um, now that's not really the case. There is so little mid-range action now that I, it's not completely dead, right? There are still players who take the mid-range shot, and they and they do it, and they do it well. And it's sort of the mid-range shot has sort of become the shot that stars take and not the shot that everybody gets to take. And that might have... And just and look, the numbers back it up. The efficiency numbers are there. It's if you want to be a better basketball team, that's what you do. Uh, I can't help but feel like the game has been homogenized, and it's really boring. When just to me, I just don't like to see bad shooters take any shots, and it's just like all bad like bad shooters are still taking threes now, and I hate that. And so I would like to see the mid range game come back a little bit. I, and maybe I'm just sentimental for. You know, the people that I grew up watching, like Kobe and Dwayne Wade and, and these guys who just love that mid-range game. But you talk to NBA players now, there's still a love for the mid-range game. And I actually credit NBA players for not taking the shots as much as they do. Because they there's still a folklore in the in that mid-range area um, that's sort of like a if you're a who's who in the NBA, you get to take that shot. Um, Interesting. And so... Uh, I would like it to come back because it is a little bit more of an art form, I think, than just chucking up threes like the Houston Rockets. All right, last one. Uh, three more players on the cusp of perhaps making the Basketball Hall of Fame. Current players this time or, or somewhere around there. Uh, Joe Johnson, LaMarcus Aldridge, or Draymond Green. One's got to go, never taste the Hall of Fame. Which one is it? Wow. Uh Putting you on the spot with a Draymond inclusion there. Draymond's a shoe in He gets in. No problem. Uh, Ooh, seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson doesn't make the cut? It might or, be Aldridge. Aldridge. It might be LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't make it. Um, he's never really done anything. Like, the okay. stats are there. He's got a bunch of All-NBAs. I don't know off the top of my head. But, yeah, I'd probably say um, LaMarcus is, is on the outside looking in. Interesting. Well, he's yeah. also a seven-time All-Star. He's a five-time All-NBA player. Yeah. He was on the All-Rookie team, just never night- tasted any kind of championship success. That was the whole point of him joining the San Antonio Spurs, but it didn't quite work Joe out. Joe Johnson hit the the game winner for that first big three champion. Like, he is a – Joe Johnson's a champion. Like, I don't know if that – I don't know if the big three gets – Joe Johnson's only made one All-NBA team. I did not know that either. I would have guessed more. I would have guessed fewer. Um <laughs> or I guess with all the, with all three teams, but that's fair. Um, who would you have gone with, Joe Johnson? I uh, I don't know. Like I feel like Johnson was a better scorer. I, at least that was one thing he did better than Lamarcus Aldridge. Like what's what's the strength of Lamarcus Aldridge's game? Like it's he's a good game scorer. We just talked about. I mean, right? He's, he's yeah. a good scorer. 
He's he's a okay good defender. I mean, he's not like he's an elite level defender. He's not really much of a playmaker. At least you go ice to Joe, you know what you're getting. I, there's something about that simplicity that I think I, I favor. So, and I feel like he's also gotten a lot of crap unnecessarily. So, because of the contract that he signed with Atlanta, and that's unfair to him. I don't, I don't have a problem with Lamarcus Aldridge, but I, I, uh, I I'd probably prefer Joe Johnson. And I, I agree with you that Draymond should get in there. I, I think he's a game changer as far as the league is concerned. Oh, I mean, defensive player of the year, um, just a major part of some of the greatest teams I've ever seen. Like he's, he's in, he's in. Andre Iguodala is he a Hall of Famer? No. Okay. That's very, and I'm. I hope my lockdown Warriors listeners aren't listening because they'll stop listening to my podcast. But he's not a ball fan. So, all right. Remember to listen to and subscribe to Locked On NBA on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you have some time, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. When you get done here, you can tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Rejecting the Screen. Thanks for listening, and please stay safe.